Good morning, good night, and good afternoon. Welcome back to the circus, and I'm your clown for tonight. My name is Adam Brown. Now, today I would like to talk about a very, very funny movie. Alright? I want to take from... I want to take a break, I mean, from some of the more downbeat movies like Lolita. I want to take a break from some of the more disturbing movies like Hereditary. And... I also want to just have a little stupid fun. So what am I looking for? Well, the answer is... Step Brothers. Okay, now this, like I said, oh my god, is a, is a very, very funny movie, okay? Uh, this is a, I don't even know, turn of the 21st century movie. Very early, I'm willing to bet, and it's featuring John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. Now, if you're not aware, uh, if you're not familiar with these two actors, they are excellent comic actors. Will Ferrell's been—I don't even know—he's been in—he's been in countless things, some good, some bad. He's one of those actors. He's kind of like a Nicolas Cage, you know, an actor that's been in a lot of really, really good stuff and a lot of bad stuff too. Now, I, I, I greatly appreciate Will Ferrell and his acting career. Um, he's very good at it. You should see some of his older things on SNL. Those really sort of encapsulate the type of humor that he's, he's really good at. Now, John C. Riley, um, he voiced Beckett Ralph. He has been in a lot of skits involving Tim and Eric, which is a very, very good... <laughs> but very off-color comedy duo that I personally enjoy. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, they're pretty fucking weird. That's the, uh, that's the, that's the thing about Tim and Eric, is that they're rare, they're very, very different uh, in how they frame comedy, and I personally really appreciate the way they do it. It's not for everyone, though. John C. Riley, like I said, has collaborated with them a number of times, and every time he's in a skit, he perfectly adds to it. His demeanor, his sort of comic awkwardness is perfect for the style of weird humor. Um, that being said, uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley in Step Brothers perfectly, perfectly take a sense of comic awkwardness and mix it with a very, very convincing... Uh, how can I say this? A very convincing, childlike personality. Now, you have to understand, uh, when I say childlike, I don't mean like they're full of wonder. I don't mean they're, I don't know, they're very like giggly or whatever. I don't mean that they're like, you know, full of an inner child or something. They are super immature, all right? They act like, they act like immature middle school boys, basically. Uh, and that's the movie. <laughs> that is Step Brothers. That's the essence of Step Brothers. And that's why it's so fucking funny, right? Because you have these two grown-up adult men. And in, like, every scene, they're wearing suits. And they they walk around <laughs> saying the stupidest shit that you could possibly think of with a completely, a completely perfectly straight face, mind you. There is nothing better than a comedic actor who can keep it together like like a face of stone. 
basically. Um, there is a there is a special type of humor to be had in actors that just can't keep it together. But me personally, I always appreciate an actor that can just say the dumbest crap and not even crack a smirk. Like they like they're so invested in the character, they can perfectly believe in what they say in the legitimacy of it, even if there is no legitimacy to be found. Like um in one scene in Step Brothers, uh Will Farrell has to scream at his his fake parents. He has to scream, This house is a fucking prison. And then his 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 companion, John C. Riley, has to go, In the galaxy of fucking camel dicks. And it's just like Something so outlandish as a galaxy of camel dicks. And he doesn't, he does not break. He does not break at all. Um, in another scene, they have to, they, they walk into a playground because they're trying to go home. And the path to their house uh, goes across a playground at some point, or goes by a playground. Now in this scene, a bunch of like, I don't even know, like elementary school kids, like little kids, a bunch of little tiny small children walk up to uh, uh, the two main actors and they they have to be intimidated by these little kids. Like the, the joke of the scene is that these little kids are bullying him and that he's scared. And <laughs> one, one of the little kids who's this little tubby fat redhead <laughs> this little little he looks like a penguin he has to walk up to him uh he has to walk up to john c Riley and go if you don't get on the ground and lick that dog turd i'm gonna take my fist and plow into your stomach <laughs> like he has to he has to deliver this threat to a grown man from this little little tiny little gremlin body and it's it's so outlandish that it's so it's it's so funny i just i promise you that and it's not even it's not even Will Ferrell and John C. Riley that like enhance the movie. So, I I I shit you not. Every actor in the movie pulls it off, and every actor in the movie enhances the comedy in some way or another. Like um, uh, that, uh, Will Ferrell's mom plays a completely like a completely straight laced character. I mean. In, in, in comedy, this term, this character is more or less called the straight man. Uh, it's not about sexuality. They're called the straight man because their personality is completely straightforward and, in a sense, quote-unquote, on the straight and narrow, meaning they're not, like, weird or zany in any way. And the comic quality of the straight man is to be paired with, you know, a, a quirky character. Like, as much as I hate the Big Bang Theory, I can recognize the comic trope they use when they pair a annoying piece of shit like Sheldon up with Leonard, who is remarkably more normal and, like, well-behaved and also not obnoxious as hell. Leonard is the straight man. Now, the straight man is not necessarily more or less annoying than the bizarre character. It's just that the straight man as a character serves to enhance um, serves to enhance the bizarreness of the a certain character's quirks by um, by contrasting it. It sort of highlights it. So yes, Will Ferrell's mom 
not his real mom, obviously, but his mom in the movie plays just an excellent straight man character, or character, sorry, um, in every scene. Keep in mind, her actor has to completely, like... Okay, uh, let me just, let me explain this by painting you a picture, okay? Imagine that you're the actor who has to play Will Ferrell's uh, mom in the movie. Now, you're both in the car, right? And you're driving, and Will Ferrell's in the backseat, and you've recently gotten married to a co-worker, and Will Ferrell being, you know, in the spirit of a middle school teenage boy doesn't like that. Because, you know, he's he's still attached to his old dad or whatever the hell. So imagine that he's he's pouting and he's putting up a big fuss. A 30-year-old fucking man <laughs> in the back of your car. And he, he suddenly, he goes, okay, he goes, I'm not going to call him dad. And you, you have to, you first of all, you have to ignore that. You have to ignore him going, I'm not going to call him dad. And you have to be like, yes, I wouldn't expect you to call him dad. <laughs> you are 30 years old. Uh, and then he just, he keeps talking. He says shit like, I'm never going to call him dad, not even if there's a fire in our house. And he, he says shit like, he better not step to me, because I'll drop that motherfucker. Like, and you have to, you have to, as an actor, you have to steamroll these. My, of course, my delivery is not as good as Will Ferrell's. Coming from my mouth, it's not near as funny as the way he says it. Now, you have to completely, as an actor, just ignore that and continue staying in character as who you are supposed to be playing, right? You have to stay in this personality that you're training yourself to believe in. If you're a good actor, that is. <clears throat> um, and... You just, you have to completely, in a sense, ignore the comic quality because you're not allowed to laugh. Otherwise, you'll ruin the take, right? Um, so it's it's very impressive. These actors, not only are they funny, but they're very impressive. Uh, will Ferrell's brother c plays a complete, like, Wall Street asshole who, um, yeah, <laughs> this isn't gonna sound, this isn't gonna sound that funny. But he, like, routinely verbally abuses his wife and, like, forces his children to be kind of a quartet. Like, he he is the kind of person that clutches to his high school days of glory. And one of the things about his character is that he has a beautiful singing voice. So he forces his children to go to these, like, voice coach lessons. And then he forces them in the car to like be his background singers while he completely glorifies his voice. It's 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 a ridiculous scene too because his entire family is in the car on the way to Thanksgiving and they're all singing uh, Sweet Child of Mine and he's he's he looks like such a douche. <laughs> he looks like such an asshole <laughs> because he's he's singing this song and like he's not looking at his kids or his wife. He's like looking ahead almost like he's just looking at some invisible audience. He's singing with his beautiful singing voice. And he, he nearly gets in a fucking car accident because he's too focused on himself. Yeah. Um, what else? Mm. Uh, John C. Riley's dad, the actor of his dad, uh, does an excellent job too. He also plays a straight man character, but he occasionally... 
he 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 gets he gets some weird scenes too. Uh, I'm I'm thinking. Oh yeah, his his actor's delivery is, is just perfect in some scenes. Uh, I won't go too far into that. This is this is just like the most quotable comedy ever made. For me, for me personally, I know subjectivity exists, and I want to make strong statements, but I can't ignore the fact that different opinions exist, you know, you have to make way for that. But here's the thing. Step Brothers, I'm going to say it again, is the most quotable comedy movie ever made. And that's because the writing and the delivery just fucking works together like, like yin and yang. It's the, the the balance of it is is magnificent. I mean, the the way that these two uh, featured actors, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, the way they conduct themselves as their characters, it's perfect. I mean, you literally you you forget the fact that these are like 30, 40 year old men. Even in universe, these are old adults. They're supposed to be, you know, in the workforce. They're not. They're supposed to like lead mature lives. They don't. They're supposed to. They're they're not supposed to stand around in the garage and like. <laughs> they're not supposed to stand in the garage with fucking uh, those Japanese swords. Um, ka- yeah, katanas slicing watermelons and bags of Fritos in half like fucking idiots. But they do, and it's beautiful. Um, and then, oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, the scene the scene where Will Ferrell, who in this movie has like a fear of singing in public, the scene where he and John C. Riley sit in this quiet room and he starts singing to John C. Riley because he's like, Alright, I'm gonna sing for you, but only you, alright? Because I trust you. And he calls him Nighthawk. Like they give each other superhero names and it's, it's so fucking like juvenile, but it's hilarious. And in this scene where he's singing, it's it's just glorious because his singing like sucks. In this in this scene, his singing is really bad. He, he he's he's like singing a blues song, and it sounds like ass. <laughs> it's like um. So maybe they think we talk too much. Maybe they think that we're something else. Let's give them something to talk about. And it's like he has this. <laughs> I really I can't do it justice. I cannot do it justice. You have to. The scene is definitely on YouTube. You need to look it up. Um, Will Ferrell singing. There's more than one scene where he sings, but. Um, yeah, I, I, the way that they actually do it in the scene is just, is beautiful. And then, of course, John C. Riley has to act, like, completely captivated by his song, as if he's, like, singing the sound of the sirens. He has to completely ignore the fact that Will Ferrell was completely singing horribly on purpose, trying to make him crack, and he has to just, like, bullface it, and just, yeah, he has to be captivated by it, his actor. It's beautiful. And then there's the classic, uh, there's a classic bunk bed scene. <laughs> um, oh my god, I, I could spend an hour pointing at different, like, parts of this movie and just, like, talk about how much I love it. The bunk bed scene, though, um, they're trying to, this is without a doubt the most iconic part of the movie. The part where they're trying to build a bunk bed, 
and um, they like they walk into their parents' room because okay, uh, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell they're the they're the titular stepbrothers. Uh, their two parents got married to each other. Now, um, in this scene, because they sleep in the same room, right? In this scene, they were like, hey, why don't we take our separate beds and turn them into bunk beds? Like, <laughs> I mean, how did we not think about that before? And and they're they're both totally psyched. They're like, hell yeah, let's do that. Like, amazing. D- uh, amazing idea, dude. And they go into their parents' room, who are just, they're just, you can really feel for them in this movie because they're really just trying to, like, they're really just, gen- they're, sorry, that's my dog. If you hear heavy breathing, that's my fucking dog. Love you. Um... You hear they're just trying to get a good night's sleep. They're trying to sleep. And the two kids, 30-year-old men, walk into their room and go, they're sweating. They're literally sweating and out of breath in the scene. They walk right in and they go, can we turn our beds into bunk beds? And and the parents are like, I mean, first of all, why are you sweating? First of all, why are you panting and out of breath like a dog? And, and second, yes, you're both adults. You can do whatever the hell you want with your beds. And they're like, uh, is, is, that a, is that a yes or is that a no? And they go, yes. Yes, you can fucking make bunk beds. So they're like, yes, this is the best day ever. It's, it's, they do it so much better than I do it. Um, and then, of course, they, they actually somehow manage to turn it into a bunk bed. Um... But then, but then John C. Riley like jumps onto he he jumps onto the top bunk while Will Ferrell's on the bottom bunk and the bed collapses on him. <laughs> the fucking uh, sound of watching or the sound of the bed like snapping and falling down on a Will Ferrell is is like endlessly funny. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's so beautiful. This this movie is so like timeless. I mean, it's so recent, but it, it really, like, it really feels like it could have been made 20 years earlier than it did. It, it really feels like it captures the essence of what everybody finds funny. And that's two grown men acting like immature assholes and, you know, a bunch of people around them directly lampshading or criticizing, directly, like, drawing attention to the to the irony that these men are what like they're 30 and yet they act like teenage boys i mean i i can i can sense that it's not everyone's cup of tea because you know not everybody not everybody has a good sense of humor you know what i mean but i mean this is just it's just funny it's just so fucking funny um like yeah i i think i think so many people, I think the greater part of the population would find it funny. And it's that's because it's so appealing. I mean, you have you have admirable characters like, you know, pe- people who don't like openly scream and cuss at their parents like the two main main actors do. You have, you know, the the delightful immaturity of the two main actors. You have you know the comic situations you get into. It the movie has good music. It's got a good soundtrack. Um, you know it's it's just it's solid. First of all, it it succeeds in what it's trying to do as a comedy movie, which is to make people laugh. It certainly made me and my my brothers laugh. You know because it's always been like our favorite comedy movie. 
Um, and it's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain, but like, I can see how it's one of the most appealing comedy films like ever made. I mean, college students could find it funny. Older, older people could find it funny. Certain jokes. Um, you know, young people would definitely find it funny because it certainly appeals to a, to a younger, more juvenile audience, you know, seeing, seeing these grown men like, you know, seeing seeing one of them being forced to lick a dog turd might sound gross, but in reality, it's very funny. And um, seeing okay, so one scene they're trying to fuck up uh, a real estate broker's like uh, house pitch, right? This one guy is trying to pitch a house, and the two main characters are trying to screw it up. Uh, he the the one guy deserves it, by the way. And so what they do is they they stage a murder. <laughs> They stage a murder in the house and, and the people that are, you know, being pitched, the people that are showing up to the house, uh, in the, in the interest of buying it, they see the murder, they see a cold dead body and they just, they, they run away. I mean, it's, it, it might sound horrible, but it's just, it, there's something about it that's so wrong. It's funny. And I, you know, I don't think a lot of people admit it. But, like, that's totally a human thing, is looking at things that are so horrible, they're actually funny. Like, certain things can do that. And it's okay to laugh at things like that. But, you know, I'd be lying if I said our, our culture today didn't make it kind of um, kind of taboo to laugh at certain things that are just inherently funny. Like, like death. I mean, death in a way is, is inherently funny, but, like, I mean... It's a lot harder. I'm not saying that comedy's dead because it's totally not, but it is a lot harder to laugh at. Um, it is a lot harder to laugh at like certain things because, you know, it's a different time than it was. Even ten years ago, it's different from now. It's amazing how culture can actually change that quickly. I mean, jokes that were made in certain movies, you know, most definitely couldn't be transferred to today. And um, in that sense, a lot of movies actually end up being interesting relics to the past. Um, Blazing Saddles is a good one. That's a movie that, on the surface, you know, has a lot of slurs. It's very... Uh, what's the word for it? It's very juvenile as well, but juvenile in the sense that it takes racism and it criticizes it through humor. When you actually look past all the, like, the, you know, the, you know, the... If, when you look back all the... When you look under... When you look through, beneath. When you look beneath all the racist characters that are in Blazing Saddles, you actually manage to understand that the the movie was made to criticize racist attitudes of the past. Um, like, all the people in, in Blazing Saddles, this, is, this isn't Step Brothers anymore. In Blazing Saddles, all the, all the racist townsfolk, because it's a Wild West, are total fucking idiots. I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're easily duped, they're easily tricked, they, they can't do anything themselves, they're almost completely helpless. I mean, the sheriff, uh, who's the hero of the story, who's a black man, he's, he's the only one in the town, aside from, like, one guy, who isn't a complete, you fucking stupid, he isn't a complete fucking idiot, and, um, he manages to save the day, so, like, it's true. It's true that there are things that need to be left in the past. Like Warner Brothers did a lot of fucking racist cartoons back in the day, but there are 
people forget, certain people forget that there are ways to take racism and to take sexism and use them like for comedic effect to actually criticize the the very the very notions of racism and sexism. That's what movies like Blazing Saddles tend to do. And Step Brothers doesn't actually do that, but I thought the topic was um, interesting to talk about uh, anyways. There are ways, there are ways to take awful things like racism, misogyny, sexism, murder. I mean, murder is a pretty easy to, thing to laugh at in our culture nowadays. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. But anyways, there are, there are ways to take those and to use them as humor to criticize, you know, the awfulness of them. A pretty easy way to do that, and a pretty simple way to do that, is to write a character who's either racist or sexist or what have you, and then, you know, they're a complete fucking idiot, like what Blazing Saddles does. Um, and that's a totally, totally solid way to do it. But yeah, um, I, I, I do sense that people these days kind of forget that, which is, which is sad, because it's a very... It's kind of like a guilty pleasure thing too. Like, have you ever laughed at something that was <laughs> that was horrible? Have you ever laughed at something that you felt you maybe shouldn't have laughed at? Like, perhaps if you were scrolling social media, if you were looking at Instagram or something like Reels or whatever, and you saw a joke that was you thought you thought maybe you shouldn't laugh at, like something that mocked somebody who happened to be you know of a different race or of a different gender and you thought this is you know this is offensive i i shouldn't have found this funny but you know i kind of did that's okay cuz i mean that that doesn't that doesn't make you racist or sexist that doesn't mean you approve of of racism or sexism it's just kind of like it's kind of like the very inappropriateness of the humor and the very audacity of somebody to crack a joke like that it's almost like that itself is enough to make you laugh. You know what I mean? Like when you see something, when you see an offensive joke and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and you're like, you, you laugh. Cause it's like, yes, it's awful. But like, it's like, it's kind of as if the very awfulness of it is like, it, it, it surprised you and made you laugh. Yeah. Um, so it's good. I mean, it's good. It's good to laugh at things that are like, you know, inappropriate humor every now and then things, things that are like potentially offensive or potentially insensitive because I mean it, to be fair, it does remind you of like, it does give you a, a social check. Like, um, if you, if you laugh at something that's inappropriate or potentially offensive, you have to think, why did I laugh at this? I mean, did I laugh at it? Because I genuinely believe like the, stupid stereotypes that like something like this actually presents or did I laugh at it because the humor was so <laughs> like dated in its offensiveness that I was so shocked I, I actually had to laugh at the audacity of it that's a key difference and that's why honestly it is that's another reason that's that's why it's good to laugh at things that are offensive sometimes because it, it reminds you of who you as an individual are um, and it, it, it gives you a check. It makes you check yourself because if you did happen to laugh, like if you happen to laugh, there's a, there's a video on YouTube called like the, I forget it's called like celebrate our differences or something, but it's, it's a comedic video that like utilizes stereotypes around the world in a, in a pretty, pretty offensive way. 
but it's funny. <laughs> but it's funny. It's really funny. And I don't laugh at it because I believe the stereotypes or because I, you know, I hate different races or different cultures. I laugh at it because it's like, oh my god, this is so fucking horrible. Like, the, the stereotypes in this video are so, like, dated and offensive that I just have to laugh at the sheer, the sheer offensiveness of it. And, to be fair, it doesn't hurt any, it doesn't hurt anybody. Because in this day and age, everybody is very careful. No, no, careful is not the word. Everybody's very, like, mm, how can I say, how can I say it? Everybody is more aware that stereotypes that we used to believe in, in America anyways, are less true than how we used to believe them? Yeah. If you can understand that, uh, let me rephrase it. Nowadays, as a culture, I feel that America is more aware that, um, what's the word? God damn it. We are more aware that, like, stereotypes that we used to believe in are not true. And, I mean, racism's not gone. Racism, of course, can never truly be gone. But it's, as a culture, we're definitely more aware of, like, what other cultures are truly like. And that's why, that's why I say that a video, like, Celebrate Our Differences that raises these potentially harmful stereotypes are not actually harmful, at least nowadays. Because the average the average person seeing that video most likely doesn't isn't isn't stupid enough to believe in those stereotypes and if they are well then that's their loss because you, you know what i'm saying basically is that videos like that is because they don't harm a very hurtful mess they don't they don't portray a hurtful message it's kind of just like unfortunate shock humor that can make you laugh because of just how audacious it is. I argue that people nowadays aren't going to look at that and and carry across a harmful message that they received from that video. That being said, you know, one does have to be careful like what kind of what kind of jokes they make. I mean, that's just an obvious truth. And some of that is good because, you know, that means you can't just go around making like racist jokes like you know, like it's the 4th of July or whatever the fuck. That's the good thing about um, today's more sensitive approach to comedy. The thing about it, however, is that comedy, I argue, is more of a... Is, is a very, very complex beast in that there's different types of comedy. It's harder... It's, it's, it's hard to make everybody laugh because there's different types of humor. People find different things funny, you know... People laugh at different stuff. There's different types of humor. There's physical comedy. There's word comedy. There's, there is racist comedy, which you know, isn't isn't. No, it exists. We can point at it as an example, but it's not a good thing. Um, there's so many different types of humor that I honestly feel like the muzzle we tend to have on comedy nowadays is too restrictive to fully like. To fully, to fully, to fully grasp at what humor or comedy should be, you know? I feel like we're too, we're too hard on what comedy could be. And that doesn't have to be about race. That doesn't have to be about sex. That could be about somebody 
falling from a skyscraper, you know? Or like punting an animal. <laughs> punting an animal or something. I don't condone animal abuse. But things like that, they're a lot harder to do without question because humor is more... Humor is more constrained nowadays. It's a lot harder to... Those different types of more daring or bold jokes instead of what I feel like we're getting nowadays. And it's not... It's not all bad, I guess. I mean, I'm not even a fan of stand-up comedy in general, but, like, in terms of comedy movies, maybe my sense of humor is just not, like... Maybe I'm just picky when it comes to humor, but I feel like a lot of the comedy movies coming out recently are just not that good. I mean, it's not in all cases that it's too sensitive. There is plenty of unfunny shit out there, like Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen did a good thing with Superbad, and he has never, ever made another funny film since. I mean, not that not that I can think of. Pineapple Express, pfft, uh, what else? American Pickle, pfft. Seth Rogen... It was a one-and-done thing. And that's not even a case of uh, comedy, like, being put on a, like, muzzle or anything. Comedy humor is just an ever-changing, morphing little fucking gremlin creature. And it's hard to... <clears throat> it's hard to make everyone laugh? No, that's too obvious. Um, it's hard to fully understand it. It's kind of like a social science. It's kind of like, um, like econ or psychology or like those other, those other social sciences that are, I mean, they're, they're like things that you can point at and study the human behavior with, but they're not exactly a, you know, down to earth science. They're more abstract concepts and that's exactly what comedy is. That's exactly what horror is, too. Somebody might find a certain movie scarier than another person, obviously. And so, you know, you have these different movies that have different effects on different people. But for the, for the public as a whole, for the greater percent of person, for the greater percent of, of the public, you have these different and endlessly changing forms of comedy that exist to become something new. They exist almost like performers to get on stage, perform an act, get off, change into something, get back on again. That's what comedy is. It's constantly evolving and changing. And the thing that's happening now which is putting a muzzle on, on humor for the sake of, you know, for the sake of, I don't even know what, but for the sake of, I guess, not offending. A lot of it actually comes down to virtue signaling too, uh, the behaviors that we see nowadays. Uh, virtue signaling, if you will allow me to mansplain, um, is, is like, what, what, how can I say it? It's getting offended on somebody else's behalf, which... Maybe on a maybe on a smaller scale, like I don't know, if your friends at the McDonald's and they get the wrong sauce packet, then then I mean, going up to well, no, wait, the the example doesn't work. Fuck, I'm sorry. Getting getting mad on like another person's behalf can potentially be a good thing. Not always, but like getting offended at something on behalf of 
you know, a culture that you don't belong to is honestly kind of white savior-y and isn't always how the culture might honestly feel about the, the thing in question. One of, the, one of the most famous examples is Speedy Gonzalez, the little rat who's, who's like, uh, he, he like, he goes around, he's like super fast, he, he wears a sombrero and all that. Back, you know, back, way back when, a lot of people used to actually get offended uh, about Speedy Gonzalez. You know, you know, he, he was, he was widely believed, no, not widely, he was believed by certain people to be like a harmful Mexican stereotype. And so a lot of people were, you know, offended by Speedy Gonzalez. But the thing is, the people who were offended by Speedy Gonzalez weren't Mexican. They weren't even Hispanic. They, they were white. They were, they were white as, they were white as snow. They, yeah, they did not, um, first of all, very white savory, very white nighty, because that character doesn't even represent you, and yet you're mad about it because you don't think a different culture can be adequately mad about it? I don't mean I don't mean to get in an argument with people who don't care anymore. So I'm gonna move on. Basically, it 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 boils down to certain people who feel the need to represent a culture that they don't belong to in an argument that shouldn't exist. Basically, it's not the same thing as culture appropriation. I don't really care about that. I don't really I'm not interested in that right now. Um, but yes, virtue signaling, like getting, getting offended on somebody else's behalf kind of sucks balls. If you ask me, that's, that's my personal opinion. I think it's, I think it's absurd to, to get offended on a different culture's behalf because it kind of, it's, it's subtly implying that you don't think they're, they have enough. It's, it's implying that you don't think that they're strong enough or that they like aren't, I guess, capable enough to get offended if they you felt offended. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what a lot of it boils down to. And that's why, that's why if you have Twitter, delete that shit because people who virtue signal, I guarantee you tend to go on Twitter because Twitter is a shit pit. Everybody knows this. This is a universally accepted fact. I am going to close this episode. Oh my oh fuck. I forgot about stepbrothers funny fucking movie please watch it i'm gonna finish this episode by saying please delete twitter you will lose 500 pounds and you will gain the ability to love people and have a healthy functional life all right thank you very much ah!